0: I'm Pasha Hanina, and I am Lisa Wagoner, and you're listening to Mystic Tea. Mystic Tea is a podcast dedicated to the mystical and magical. We've invited some of our favorite friends to share their wit and wisdom, unique gifts, and
1: crafty conjurings. So take off your cloak and set a spell and join us for a cuppa. Mystic Tea. Welcome to Mystic Tea.
0: We are recording our fifth episode today, and Lisa and I wanted to take an opportunity to share a little bit about ourselves so you could get to know who we are and what we're about.
1: I know. We jumped right in with all of our wonderful friends and community, but we thought we'd take a moment just to say hi and tell you a little bit of our story, how we met, how this started, this podcast, and just our spiritual journey so far. So before we get started, let what you drinking? I am drinking peppermint tea just because, uh, I don't know, it got cold again around here and it just warms me up and it just is really comforting this time of year. So yeah, I'm with peppermint tea. Here in the mountains, we call this, what, our third or fourth winter? Yes. <laughs> third At or least, fourth pretend yes. spring? I lump them all together. It's blackberry <sighs> and redbud winter and it'll probably snow again next month, but... It is technically spring.
0: It's technically spring, and it's cold. But um, the flowers are trying really hard to bloom, and it's very exciting. Being as it is cold, I'll be honest, it's a coffee day for me. (laughs) I'm still working on my second cup. And so it's
1: coffee for me today in the tea house. And I've already finished my first pot of the day. so (laughs) (laughs) That's when I switched to tea. Switch to tea.
0: Well... Lisa, it's really kind of funny how we got to know each other, and we really didn't know each other that well, but I always felt really drawn and hopeful that we would work together in this partnership that that we have here, and it's a really, really beautiful and cool thing I think that we have going on, um, but I'm sure that even in this podcast, I'm going to learn a lot of things about you that even I don't know, and maybe you'll do the same. Tell me a little bit, because neither of us are even from this area. We both just kind of showed up here one day. Tell me a little bit about how you ended up here and maybe even how you ended up meeting me and
1: and, uh, being part of Of and Earth and Mystic Tea. Yeah, so uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, we both uh, are in a shop called Of and Earth in Marshall, North Carolina. is the owner and I'm the manager. And it's a beautiful, magical community. And I live in Asheville myself, but I commute here for work. And how we met was interesting because I was working in a different metaphysical shop. And I think either a friend introduced us or I had heard you were opening one. And it was always it's just part of me to want to build community. So I think I reached out to you uh, and said, hey, I'm going to stop by your shop, say hi, maybe we could do some reciprocal workshops. And so I went to your original location, (laughs) uh, which uh, is not where we are presently. We're now in downtown Marshall. And that's how we met originally. And you made quite the splash when you moved to this area, because I know you were they had interviewed you and you have such an interesting story how you found Marshall as well. And I think from there, we just always sort of stayed in touch. That's true. I just love that you came in and,
0: um, you know, in this area in particular, Madison County where I am, but even in Buncombe County, which is Asheville, These kinds of stores and this kind of practice and divination, um, you know, there were laws in place, anti-divination laws that, you know, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, we had to, people had to fight for their right to um, have a a spiritual practice such as ours or to... um, do divination or, you know, be sort of outside of that very religious stronghold that was here in, in this area. So popping up in Marshall, I remember when I was told to open a shop by my spirit team and they said right there on the freeway and um <laughs> And I had been involved with um, another friend doing a podcast called Of Wand and Earth. Um, and I said, Well, what are we going to call it? And they said, A Wand and Earth. And I said, That is a big name for a small town. But um, yeah, they made me show up on the freeway, put out a big sign. And I was kind of nervous. I didn't know anybody at all. And um, I mean, I moved here not knowing anybody. And when you walked in, it felt so welcoming and comforting. You know, a lot of times when you have communities, they they might feel threatened, or they might feel like, "What are you doing here?" You know, what are, what do you have to prove? And I didn't feel that from you. I felt I felt an instant connection. I was really grateful for that.
1: Yeah, we stayed friends, and then I moved into working at a nonprofit, and that was right when COVID hit a few months before. And then that nonprofit closed up uh, a victim of COVID and I remember you reached out to me and you had texted me and said, Hey, would you like to come work out of wand and earth because you had moved locations and I really thought you had texted the wrong Lisa. <laughs>
0: you did. You wrote that. I think you mean the wrong Lisa. I
1: was like, "Are you sure you're talking about me? Uh, you are the <laughs> right person." Well, I, I tend to do that anyway if I think, "Wow, this seems a bit out of left field." But um, yeah, next month actually, I will have been here a year, Woo-hoo! and it doesn't. It seems like so much has happened in the past year. It feels like a very full and rich year. Just so much has happened as far as like building up community and the events and this podcast and everything. So it's been an amazing, wonderful journey so far. It really has been. And you're right, in the past year, you know, we opened up in the middle of COVID and
0: this building was a shell. It had not even been built. In fact, the owner of the building would always surprise me. You know, I I remember I would say, Oh, I wish the windows were a little bit bigger. And then he'd be like, I installed new windows, you know, hope you like them. Or, Hey, I think I'd really like to have a tea house. It'd be cool if there was some seating and I'd show up at the you know shell of the building. And he'd be like, hope you don't mind. I added some window seating. It was just like this amazing kind of thing. And over the year, um, just since you've been here, you've just established this beautiful connection with community. We've opened the temple, which is now, you know, we're doing ritual here. Uh, We have the upstairs, which is, you know, what we call the classroom, but it's also, you know, baking is happening there. There's a lot of kitchen magic happening there. We have, uh, it's just wonderful. I mean, it's just really grown into what we dreamt uh, dreamt of together and it's, it's Constantly growing. So it's been a while, right.
1: If you think about, well, that's only it been a year. And I know I went into shock when I saw the date. and also just the energy in this building. I don't know how we can convey this on a podcast, but the energy in this building is so amazing. And I think it draws people here. And my favorite part of working here is seeing the people when they walk in and they're just so overcome with delight and joy and the A, that we exist and B, that they can find a treasure to take home or the item that they didn't even know they needed, but once they saw it, they recognized it. To see that happen over and over again, it just, it gives me goosebumps.
0: I love that too. It's really funny when you were saying that, it reminded me of this this, uh, friend and customer that came in and she said, you know, I always come in here when out there it's too much. It's like walking through that door is like crossing through the veil. And we know that because we created it that way. We wanted it to be kind of like a power pressure wash where when you walk in, you are at peace Mm -hmm. and you are safe. And coming uh, from, especially coming from covid it was scary, and people didn't feel safe, and they didn't necessarily know where their place was in the world. And so this particular customer, though, she said, I come in, and I just walk around the store. I pick up a stone. I walk around with it. I hold it, and um, and then sometimes I'll go somewhere else, and then I have to come back for a refill." <laughs> <laughs> the refresher, because I go outside and then instantly I'm like, ah, and then I'm like, oh, I think I need to go back for another quick, quick cleanse. And that's beautiful. I love yeah. that people feel safe and that they feel like this is their home. And, you know, I especially love it with the young ones. A lot of parents will bring their children in here because there's so many cool things for kids and they kind of... um you know, mother hand them, one little girl, I think she was just about two or three, wanted to play the piano, that big grand piano that just showed up here. And it's a beautiful piano and it's an antique. And the mom was like, no, no, no. And I said, please let let her play. And And then the dad was like, looking at me like, is she just being nice? I said, no, I really mean it, let her play. And that child was just, you know, she was banging the key, so what? You know, she was playing that and, and hearing the music, and it just activated and awakened the space. It was wonderful. It's wonderful. That's
1: magic, right? It there. is, yeah, to see them be drawn to a certain stone or the dragons we have and the language they speak because they'll look at you right in the eye and you can tell they get it. Mm-hmm. And they'll just say one or two words to either you or me, and then you realize – oh, this child gets it, and mm-hmm. they, they are just so happy to be here. And I do, I do love that. That's another aspect that we are so welcoming to all, and it is a safe space. And I'm really proud of the work that we've done and the foundation we've built with that because we have drawn so many amazing, wonderful, talented, mystical, spiritual people to our shop and our community and it's just been such a joy really again is. cannot believe it's only been a year I know. <laughs> I know and I was thinking too I was here for you know when you opened up the temple space i was here as you expanded beyond i was here actually right when you opened and the store wasn't even complete but i think you were open already and you were selling a few things and And there's dust everywhere and boxes and like i was like i have to open it now you know it's so it's equinox i'm opening it on equinox and it was a disaster yeah and
0: i was like just ignore those boxes and um i'm still unpacking and
1: yeah, and just your vision and just to see in the space of, what, basically a year and a half, to see your vision coming to life and still more to come, thats that just makes me so happy.
0: Yeah, it's been pretty, it, um, pretty cool, and I just can't express my gratitude enough. I just... Ooh, thanks for joining me on the ride and steering the ship most of the time.
1: <laughs> well,
0: exactly. Well, thanks
1: for asking me to join. You know.
0: How did you even find yourself here? I, I
1: mean, I sometimes I like, am in awe that I'm even here in the first place. Oh, yes, likewise. Um, well, yeah, my journey is very interesting. So I grew up between New York City and North Carolina. I was actually born in Greensboro, grew up in New York City, spent summers here, and spent a lot of time at both the beach and the mountains. And so I was living in a different city and my kids were grown and I wanted to live elsewhere. And in my head, I was moving to the beach. There was no doubt about it. I was thinking of Wilmington. I was making plans and I found myself, I think it was a really beautiful warm day. And I found myself on the Blue Ridge Parkway. And I heard a voice. Uh, it's a very interesting story. I share this with a lot of people. I heard a voice say, you're moving to Asheville. And I thought that was so odd because if anything, I spent more time like in the Boone area. And I'd been to Asheville several times and knew it was an amazing place, but it was not on my radar. And The voice actually turned out to be my dad's, which I don't tell a lot of people because I wasn't 100% sure it could have been my deities. But looking back now, I see it was my dad saying, you need to move to Asheville. Mm -hmm. And same thing, I... It was funny I actually went along with that idea because I only knew one person here. And for me to move completely by myself, without family, without friends, to a whole different space, I think in my head I sort of justified it and said, oh, I'll just try it for a year. And, you know, if it doesn't work, then I'll go to the beach. And here I am seven years later. Wow. So, <laughs> Seven years. So that would have been 2015? Yes, I moved in May of 2015. That is... Most interesting, right? (laughs) Most
0: interesting indeed. Because? Well, I think the very first time in my life that I ever came to the Carolinas at all would have been in April of 2015. And I recall in that, um, and I was very, very much engaged in my spiritual journey at that time. I was really trying and, um, we had an entertainment company at the time where we got a week long spring break gig at Carowinds. So the whole family went out and that's way out, you know, Carowinds is out in the Charlotte area. It's right on the North Carolina, South Carolina border. Right. And at that time we were really struggling financially. Like we were struggling and, um, it's just LA, you know, and, and the nature of, of, um, having an entertainment company meant you have big jobs and then you have no jobs, you know? And so we never knew which one was which. And so we just were careful. We didn't spend a lot of extra money. Um, We just had, you know, three kids and the mortgage and the business to run and all that. So I say that because that was the thing that stopped me from going. What We were staying at Carowinds and I was told to drive three hours and I was like, well, I'm kind of like doing the, ba- the math. And I was like, well, if I drive three hours, it's this so much in gas. And I had said, I'm, I'm going have to drive three hours. And I had the map, and it drove me right up into to Hot Springs. And I kept trying to lean it back towards Cherokee because that's, you know, I have a Cherokee heritage. And I thought, oh, that will be neat. But it kept going north, north. And, and um, my daughter plays violin, She broke a, broke a violin string. And it was like 40 bucks, like, you know, to, I had to get, they didn't have one. I had to buy the whole kit and they had to, they were the good premium strings. So I ended up spending $40 of the budgeted $80 to of gas money that I felt was, you know, it would have cost me to, um, to buy those strings. And I was like, well, I can't go. And so I never came out this way. I had never really been to Carolina. And then a year later, and I, and I had some real highs and lows from that, but a year later, Um, On on April 1st, we lost our lease at the um, entertainment uh, building that we had. And I heard uh, I had built a temple there, the community temple. And I hear I go to the temple and I sat down and I worked with my team. I sat down and for some reason I recorded it because when I go into a channeling state, I don't remember anything. But I had the foresight to record it. And in that message, they said, you're it's time to go. Pack it up. You're leaving August 1st. You are going, here's what you're going to do. Here's where, you know, all these stops that you're going to make. They actually channeled the dots on the map of where I was going to go. Told me all these things, gave me the dates. You have to leave August 1st. You have to be there by, um, you know, I can't remember what it was now, but it was this window of time, August 19th. I feel like it was, I know it was during a certain celestial cycle. And I said, "Well, where am I going? And they said, Asheville. And and it's funny because I'm channeling this. So I when I back to listen back on it, it said Asheville. And I always argue with my guides. I don't know about you, but I was like, <laughs> yeah. Nashville? And they're like, Asheville. And I was like, I've never even been there. I mean, <laughs> I'm like on the recording going, I've never even been to Asheville. Why would I go to Asheville? Like I was, you know, being crabby or whatever. And they said, Your 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 uh, your tribe is there. Mm-hmm. That's what they said. And so um so, I had to go back to my family and say, not only are we like selling the house, shuttering the business, but we're all moving to Asheville. It took me about a month to get up the courage to even tell them that. And then finally, it got, just got more, you know, stronger and stronger and stronger. There was no getting out of it. And I weaseled and I tried and I, you know, I wanted all the, I kind of like tried to work my w- way around it. And we were getting closer to August. And I said, I got to tell. So I went to my husband and I said, well, we got to go. He said, where are we going? And I was like, "Hmm, Asheville. I've never been to Asheville. (laughs) And he he had. And he goes, sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) Next thing we knew, we packed it up. And uh, here we
1: are. And it is a a magical place. And I have one story when I uh, was looking, it was March before I moved up here in May and I was looking for an apartment and it had been forever since i had lived on my own between family and children and life in general. And I had no idea where to look. And the one person I knew wasn't really any help. And so I was getting lost. I have no sense of direction. And I knew Riverside Cemetery because I had been there a couple of times, Thomas Wolfe is buried there and oh, a couple of, oh, uh, Henry is buried there as well. And it was really funny I to clear my head. I ended up thinking, well, I'll just walk at Riverside Cemetery and then I'll start again. And I came upon Thomas Wolfe's grave. And I have to admit, I have never finished a Thomas Wolfe book because <laughs> it is so wordy, but I adore him for his talent. And I, I literally threw myself on his grave and just started talking to him like he was a friend. I had never really done that before. And I was talking to him and I was like, Tom, you know, I am trying to move here. I don't know where to go. I have no sense of direction. And then I started babbling about how... I always said I was a writer, but I never wrote, and that I promised him if he helped me find a place that I would be a published writer and I would really stick to that. And literally the next next place I looked at was the apartment I found. And it was a great location, wonderful memories made there. I still sort of miss the people there. And I call him like my moving guardian angel. And I go back every year on his birthday and thank him. And oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Magical things just happen. And not only are here. you published with your blog, but your first book is coming out. <laughs> no. yeah, Tom.
0: Way to go, Tom. <laughs> thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Can I call you Tommy? I feel like we're
1: friends. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea if he's even known by Tom. It could be Thomas. But I yeah, think- that was that was like one magical moment uh, of many, you know, that happens here. I, I think a lot of see sense that this is a magical area but when you experience it yourself it just it's it's just mind-blowing honestly so well I don't actually live in uh, in Asheville
0: they actually told me I was going to move 35 miles outside of Asheville but they didn't tell me in which direction and so I'm a dowser I've been a dowser and a diviner for you know a long time Um, so one of the things that I did to figure out where we were going, I did what anybody would do. I went to, uh, pulled up a map on my computer and I stuck my elbow at Asheville and I said, okay, 35 miles, where am I going? And my arm kind of went like this and I'm like, Oh, hot springs. (laughs) Another magical place. So another, a a very magical place. And, uh, and they, um, said, well, we will be 35 miles. When we finally found our home, It was 34.9 miles from Asheville
1: City Center. Wow! So thank you for that. Yeah, that is definitely a magical moment as well. Yeah, and now I live in South Asheville, which in and of itself, it's just, it's hard to explain if you don't live here, but uh, Asheville has, you know, the all the different directions in the different neighborhoods. And I have to say that's, you know, you find yourself in magical places, no matter what, whether it be hot springs, Marshall, South Asheville, it, up the mountains, the blue Ridge parkways, not too far away. And just, you find yourself on these little country roads too, that end up being these magical adventures that you end up being on. So.
0: Well, we love to talk about everyday magic. It's a place where we live now. We just sort of immerse ourselves in magic and in being the magic, not necessarily doing magic, which is very different than maybe practices I might have had when I was a teenager or a young adult where I was very much into doing magic. But um, what about you? I mean, have you always felt magical? Have you always felt like, were you a doer or a beer or a little <laughs> bit of both?
1: <laughs> well, I grew up, with a very strong German-Austrian background family, Uh, very matriarchal, lived with my mom, my grandmother helped take care of us. So... We had a lot of what I call now folk magic and just didn't really think twice about it. I just figured that's what me and my flamboyant, interesting family did. And I honestly didn't have language for it until I moved here, which was fascinating. And my earliest memory, because I love books, and the library we went to was in Greenwich Village. And it looks like a castle. It used to be a women's prison. And that was my childhood library, and that was just such a magical place. And I can see this book to this day, but when I was five, I took out a book of, I think, Halloween or witch stories, and I remember this illustration, and I remember seeing it and thinking, that's what I want to be. And then I just filed it away and never really thought about it again. And so when I moved here and you know found a metaphysical community, spiritual people, they were using language like manifesting and altars, And I was like, oh, I do all that already. I just never really thought twice about it. I thought it was just us. But I can trace it all the way back that I've always, like, always done things like that. I have always had altars. I've always manifested, had always done spell work. But it was just sort of, like, within the realm of my own family history. What That's, about you?
0: Well, I had kind of the opposite Um I've come to know that the side of the family that considers themselves witches and healers um, along the matrilineal line, I wasn't uh, raised with. I never had access to that. Mm. Uh, However, um, in in fact, I wasn't raised uh, with connection to my Cherokee lineage either. I was very isolated in my childhood, very overprotected by my parents um, and... um, very limited in our way of thinking. And I don't know if knowing how psychic my mom is. um, I don't know if there was just something that intuitively she guarded us. Um, I don't know. But what I do know is that as a very, very young child, I was what they would call weird. And I was the one who saw the fairies. I was the one who talked to the birds. I was the one that believed in dragons. In fact, I was a dragon. I was the one who mixed potions when other kids were playing, um, you know, this or that. And I would incant. I would, it was the mud and the flowers and I was incanting. Me too. Um, and I, there was no, do you believe for me? Uh, I remember having very, very, very strong visions. Um, I now know as an adult that I also, um, communed with spirits and saw spirits, um, we lived in many, many, many different places. We traveled quite a bit, never really settled for long. And there were moments where I recall very specific spirits. And some of them were, um, they just lived there. Me too. You know, I remember telling my, I have a younger sister who's nine years younger than me. And it was just like, just leave them cookies. Like, what? what's your fuss? You know? And she still gets mad at me because I would never let her kill spiders. <laughs> or, you know, and she's like, I don't like this, I'm like, spiders live here. They're our friends. Just give them a name. And, you know, and she still to this day is like, you wouldn't even let me you made me name the spiders. <laughs> but I also, you know, if, if, a, if a spirit was in a in a place and that's where they lived, I, I didn't feel that we needed to, uh, you know, interfere with that. Um, and if they were not beneficial, then I wasn't afraid of helping them move along either. I'm very young at that. I didn't necessarily know what this stuff was until I was a young teenager 14. And I met this kid that I thought was so cool. And I didn't have any friends. I wasn't a popular kid. I was a weird kid. Um, But here was this girl, and she wanted to be my friend. And she knew all about astrology. And she knew about magic. And she knew about witchy stuff. And she wanted, you know, she just really sort of filled my head with language Mm -hmm. And uh, we were doing things like astral projecting. We were opening portals. We were doing all sorts of shit. Oh, sorry, sorry. The, I love I love to swear. It's my favorite thing. So if you have sensitive ears, you might just want to tune out because when I get into my groove, out they come. But you know, we we uh, we were up in San Francisco and going. There was wonderful. I don't know if you've ever been there in the eighties, but there were some really cool apothecaries and yeah and um little shop of incense in Chicago. I mean, like there was just really, really cool places. And I love to just get on a bus and show up somewhere. So I I kind of got more into the occult then. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then that became a, a place that I didn't feel very comfortable after a while because I didn't know what I was doing. So there were some things that were unpleasant as a result of that. And I kind of moved out of the occult aspect of it. And, um, later sort of found my way back into what I call an accountability practice of being being the magic instead of doing the magic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And that kind of realization has struck me in the years that I've lived here in Asheville, too, that we are the magic, we are the altar, we are the tools. And it's just been such an amazing, interesting journey. That reminds me of When I first opened the shop on
0: the bypass, which is the freeway, a lot of really peculiar things were happening. First of all, I have never owned a shop in my life. But before I moved here, I started collecting things. And I said, these are going to be for the shop. I didn't know I was going to. I had no idea. I had no inventory, no really, you know, shopkeeping skills no idea whatsoever what I was doing. And um, there I was. And I said, why do I have to be there? Like, why do I have to be so visible? Because that's something I struggle with. I don't really like to be visible. You know, even having my voice out there like this is, I have to work on that. It's its an uncomfortable place for me. So why do I have to be so visible? And they said, people need to know where to find you. And um, when the shop first opened, people would come wandering in. It was almost like for some people, it was invisible. They would say, is this of wind and water? Do you sell any wind chimes? And and I would say, oh, no, it's of wand and earth. And they go, oh, of wind and water. That's a neat name. And they would sort of be in a daze. It was like they they couldn't see it. And then other times, cars would be driving, and they would just like bouncing through the driveway and people would come in and they would say, I don't even know why I'm here. My car drove itself into your parking lot. And I said, "Wow, well, here we are. Yeah. What, how can I help you? But one of the most intriguing things that happened um, were I apparently would go into people's dreams. I had maybe a half dozen or maybe even a dozen people walk into the store and say, you were in my dream last night. And you told me to come see you and you would help me. And first I apologize because that's weird. I don't (laughs) think you should be traipsing around into people's dreams that you don't know. Um, Had no idea that I was doing it. I am a dream walker and I am very, very protective of the magic I do in the dream time. So I had to sort of accept that that was what was being asked of me. Um, but at first I apologized and said, if that was uncomfortable for you, I apologize, but they said, no, it was actually really helpful. And this is what I need. Um, and so I made a lot of relationships that way. And that was pretty interesting. But one time there was a young man and it was one of those car situations where the car came in off the freeway and went, and kind of like took up two sparking parking spots right in the front. And this guy comes out and he's walking with that glazed look on his face. And I said, can I help you? And he goes, I don't know. And he wandered around the store for five minutes, 10 minutes. And remember that was sort of like this shack, and there were two segments of it. One part of the segment was where people walked in, and then there was a big wall there, and you could kind of see And then you came back and that was where we had the books and some apothecary items and stuff. And that's kind of where the cashier was also. And then there were two treatment rooms behind. So I didn't want to be, he was clearly doing his process. So he didn't want to be like, so need any help? Can I help? You know, I was kind of like holding back. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was looking at every single item, every single item. And then he would walk away. And then the next time, and a lot of time had passed. And he had, you know, another person in the car, a lot of time passed. And he made his way into that back room where the tarot cards were and the books and the oracle cards and some herbs and things. And he's been in there for a while now. And they said, are you sure that I can't help you? And he looks at me really defeated and he goes, I don't know how you're going to take this but you came into my dream last night and you said to come into the store and I would find something here. And I don't know what it is. And it was really uncomfortable like saying that. And, And I said, okay, well, is there anything that you find interesting? And he goes, look, I don't really believe in any of this stuff, but I've kind of read tarot cards since I was five years old. And I said, well, do you want to look at the cards? And he says, I guess so. I mean, he's just really defeated at this point. And um, he goes, I don't know what I'm supposed to get from you. And I said, well, why don't you pick three cards um, that pop out to you, three decks of whatever they are. Pick three. And I'm going to stand behind you. And You put your hand on one. Don't look at me. I'm going to test it. And Maybe that's the thing for you. And he says, okay. So I, he, he stands, he puts his hand over one deck and I'm standing behind him and I test And I use my body pendulum, which moves forward for a yes and backwards for a no. And I, I move, I get a no. And I start to giggle to myself, which I'm sure did not ease his, (laughs) his, his comfort zone here. But I said, okay, try the next one. Right. So he puts his hand over that one. I'm standing directly behind him. I get a no. And then he goes to the third one. And I can see he's kind of getting himself ready for feeling, because he's testing it himself, but he's not using a body pendulum. He's just going by gut instinct, which I highly recommend. And he puts it over there, and I get a no. And he turns around, and he just looks like, I give up. And I'm smiling, and I go, what'd you get? And he goes, I don't think any of these are for me. And I said, you're right. He said, well, what am I supposed to get from you? And I said, you're supposed to get that you don't need to buy anything. You are the only tool that you need. You don't need to look any further than yourself. You're not going to find what you need to do your spiritual work in an object or a token or a box. You are the only tool that you need. And he just like everything dropped. Mm. He hugged me. It was like nobody had given him permission to believe that before. Oh, wow. It was so beautiful. And then he's like, well, my girlfriend's been in the car for like 40 minutes, I guess. He goes, I feel like I should buy something. And I said, I think that would defeat the purpose. Mm-hmm. I think you got what you need. You got an understanding to develop that relationship with self. Then you develop that relationship with spirit. Then get out there and do your work. And he was, he was really cool. I mean, it was a really cool thing.
1: That is a beautiful story because it's so true. I think we get so caught up in buying all the things and all the shiny objects. And deep down, I think in going through your own journey, at some point, it's not the things that matter. It's just, you know, following your intuition. And a lot of people don't. I'm so surprised at that, that they don't or they don't feel comfortable doing it. But I always urge people to do that as well. And that's that's my favorite thing to do is when someone comes in and they don't know Like, they want to get a deck, but they don't know what to buy. And I'll say, just stand in front of it and see what calls out to you, see what drops in your lap. And every single time it happens, and it's such a magical process. And the joy in their face, because they found just the right deck, is amazing. It's really wonderful. Yeah, I was really
0: fascinated by the dream aspect of it, because like I said, I do a lot of work in the dream time. In fact, um, there have been recurring dreams that I've had that I remember... From being a little girl. I have dreams that are manifesting now. Wow. There, this, One time, this is kind of cool. Um, I had a recurring dream from probably the time that I was about six or seven years old until I was in my late 20s, maybe. I had the same dream. And I was very awkward. I looked like Leave it to Beaver when I was a little kid, right? <laughs> I had, like, my mom, I had these crazy curls, so my mom didn't want to deal with it, so she kept my hair really short. And I was a tomboy, so I was wearing those waffle stompers and overalls. And, you know, I just wasn't that pretty little girl in a pretty little dress. I used to, like, count bruises and let people kick me for a quarter. You know, like, I was just, <laughs> I was just a badass. <laughs> and, um, and so I just, but I would have this dream where I was, had this long, beautiful black hair and, um, and I would, would wear a white dress. And um, I, I never really saw myself truly from the front, um, but I knew that I was a certain age when I would see this. And, um, and, and I just thought she was so pretty, but what was unique about it is that always she would fly first of all. And then I lost my ability to fly in the dreams and I regained it again later. Um, But I would fly in and there was a crowd of individuals um, around somebody who had received a wound or had maybe had a heart attack or something. And she would move through the crowd and put her hands on his chest, like, like what we would call Reiki or energy healing now. Well, I was raised um, in a a, a medical family, so that didn't make sense to me. You don't put your hands on somebody's body and they're healed. I didn't understand that, but I had that dream over and over and over when when I was, you know, in that age. And then when I got to be older, I did have long hair and I was more feminine looking and I just naturally assumed, well, that was me. And then I learned Reiki and I thought, oh, that's what they were talking about. When I was in Florida, right before, you know, that final like wrap up before we could live here, Florida was like a stopping point between Los Angeles and here. I was ready to go. Um, and I was told there's one more person you need to meet. And so I met um, the girls had actually made this beautiful friend at their school and I met her mom and we really connected. And I and I enjoyed talking with her a lot. Um but it was kind of in passing. And then one day we sat down together. And for some reason, I told her about that dream. And she said, what? And I said, yeah, I guess I must have been about 30. She said, when I was 30, I will, that happened. There was a man that had a heart attack. And I was, remember I was wearing a white dress. And I moved through the crowd. And I put my hand on that man's chest. And he, like, he was better. Like, he healed. I had dreamt of her, and all this time, I had thought it was me. Oh, wow. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. I have received so many messages through the dreams that when I have a dream of somebody, they... I'll tell them this was a dream or this was a dream. Mm -hmm. And when it's a dream, they're like taking notes. That is to me the only way I ever let my true psychic ability move through. I never considered myself a psychic, never considered myself a medium, anything like that. that was when the messages would come true. That's when I I saw all of this. I met my daughter seven years before they were born through dreams. Do
1: you, I mean, do you have a dream practice? Do you? I don't. And I need to learn about that because I'm one of those people that I know I actively dream, but when I wake up, I don't remember anything, but I do have that sense of things have happened. Um, so it's not, it's it's very frustrating because I've, I've done everything. I've done, you know, dream pillows and mugwort and all these things and i All I know is I wake up and I know I have been through some things uh, and not, not in a bad way. Like I don't wake up cranky or exhausted. I just feel like my body has been through something and I don't know what it is. So it's, it's a bit frustrating for me. I would like to be able to remember and be present in my dreams. That would be nice. I think that we're, we've
0: talked so much, Boy, talk about ourselves and we can talk uh, on and on, (laughs) (laughs) but um, we're actually kind of nearing our time, but I think we should do another recording. Um, I'd love to share some tips and tools about dream work and some of the techniques that I use to really draw out that, um, my deeper understanding of dream time. And, um, you mentioned mugwort. I couldn't help but smile because I just love sister mugwort so much. Me Um, too.
1: But, um, yeah, definitely. We should do that because I know people like me out there also have difficulties with dreaming and I know how important that is. And I would definitely love to learn more. Oh, that sounds great. We should definitely plan to do that. We
0: have just a couple of minutes. Does the Maven of Mystical Curation have anything that she wishes to share with our loving viewers? I guess they're <laughs> listeners, not viewers.
1: Uh, yes, our listeners. Um, I love the way she says that. <laughs> my, my title, the best title I've ever had. Uh, so we have some new, what would you call them, Pasha? Um, we have these oils, uh, the Lakshmi oils that oh, came in. Yes,
0: the Lakshmi oils. They're botanical they're botanical and crystal infused. Art of Lakshmi. Is-
1: yes, it's beautiful. I posted a picture on Instagram, and they are beautiful. They come in this beautiful little gift presentation, so not only a gift for yourself, or if you have like Mother's Day coming up, or birthdays, anniversaries, it's it's really pretty. It's uh, over by our statuary. Um, that's definitely a new item. And what would you? like to recommend as well, Pasha? Well, we were
0: talking about dream work and I think rainbow obsidian is a really cool tool to use when you're working with dream work. One of the reasons is that obsidian is such a great shield. A lot of people um, are uncomfortable to really let themselves go and explore during dream time because... because they feel vulnerable. Right. And, um, lack of control, lack of control and they don't want to leave their body unattended and that sort of thing. But the rainbow sheen aspect of it, um, I feel like helps to sort of move you into that liminal field and cross over into the dream world. Mm-hmm. And so it's a great thing to just, um, we have some really actually really, really nice pieces. Um, sometimes they're small. Like if you wanted to even like put it in a pouch or slip it under your pillow or something like that. Some of our pieces are a little bit bigger. I don't know. It might be a princess of the pea to put <laughs> <princess> <laughs> in the pea to put something, a big
1: chunky but You can set it by the side of your bed. Or under um, your bed. Do or under your bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this so. piece is beautiful. It has a, a place right, for my thumb <laughs> It's a perfect fit yeah and so. I actually do sleep with my I, I will hold my stones if I know I'm working that night that right. I would hold a piece of that and um and do that. So we've just got some really nice stones. Oh, nice. I'll have to get one. And I'm definitely looking forward to learning more about it in a future episode. That sounds great. Well, for today, that's all of our time. Thank you so
0: much um, for listening. And um, Lisa, it was great learning more about
1: you. It was great learning more about you. (laughs) We have so much in common. So maybe we'll do an episode one day, too, about like all the different and strange and unusual things that we have in common. I learned yet a new one today, but Well, we'll hold that for another episode we
0: will i'm dying you're gonna leave me hanging i will oh my <laughs>
1: gosh. all right well until then uh, thanks for listening thank you thank you for listening mystic tea is produced by the astara network in collaboration with a Wand earth a mystical mercantile community space and future home of the two brooms tea house you can visit us in the town of Marshall, nestled
0: in the magical mountains of Western North Carolina, or visit us online at ofwandandearth.net, or we're on Facebook and Instagram at ofwandandearth. That's of wand a n d earth.